0: This is a series that we've talked about because there are people have all kinds of ideas about what Jesus is, about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. There's things in the air. And uh, so we wanted to go to the words of Jesus and see what he had to say about himself and let him define himself rather than culture, rather than our own expectations, rather than our own ideas of what it should be. So that's what this series is. It's in the last one, and uh, we'll dive into it shortly. You can uh, find John 14 if you want in your Bible. But how many of you ask directions when you lose your way? How many of you are direction askers? Yeah. How many of you wish the person you're with asked directions a little bit better? Yeah. Now there's Google, and so all of us men who hate asking directions, we just ask Google, and they get us lost by themselves. Um, whether it's traveling or in a mall or whatever, I I like to look for the map. I do. I, when we go in, my wife just starts wandering. I think there is a reason for that, though. But we won't get into that. I go to the little red dot, and I want to find out where I need to go. Uh, Shanda would like to wander, and we won't get into that. But there um, are certain reasons for that. But when you're traveling in other parts of the world, it's important to know your way. Uh, when I've been to I've been to Africa a few times, and we're leading a team in July to Kampala, Uganda, and when you're traveling there, sometimes. Uh, the roads were built for many decades ago, and infrastructure doesn't keep up because there's, there's so many people. Africa will soon have 1.2 billion people on, on the continent of Africa. And sometimes us Canadians uh, that, that have grown up here are not as attuned to it. Africa is not a country. Africa is a, is a whole continent, and Uganda is one of them. And uh, it's, it's in Kampala. There's millions of people in space intended for much, much smaller. So traffic, and if you want to see traffic, can sometimes be a little bit chaotic. Count the people on that bike, on that motorcycle. They're going to school. Moms that are helicopter parents in Canada are like having, they're dying right now. There's one, two, three, four, five, and I believe there's one more in there, six, at the very back that you can't see in the picture. But you don't always get a scene, uh, understand how important it is and how big traffic can do. Can you do the next one there? I just wanted to give you about 30. This is um, going in the morning, what the traffic looks like. This is a roundabout. We're trying to make our way into a roundabout. And everybody who has who grown up in Africa feels right at home right now. They're like, this is good. This is amazing right now. The rest of us are in the van praying with our head between our knees. God, please don't let that man get run over. He's about to be crushed. He's not. He's fine. The boat boda boater driver's like, I'm fitting in there. The guy on the bicycle, look at that. Boom. Like, here we go. Cutting across three lanes of traffic. It's all right. There, I don't know where the lane starts, where it begins, but here it is. That guy, oh, I'm going to stop. No, I'm turning to here. I thought, and then it can get jammed up sometimes. What's intended to be a 20-minute journey becomes two, three, four hours. Uh, except my, our driver often there is a guy by the name of Joshua. And he when it gets like that, he finds a different way. And he will go off heading off almost the opposite way to get around the, the jam, as they call it, to get around the jam. And so he's taking away. We're going this way and that way and over a hill and around. And I say, Joshua, are you sure you know where you're going? He says, don't worry, Pastor. I know the way. I'm from here. I know the way. It's like this time when I'm very happy. It's times like this when I'm very happy to be riding with someone that knows the way. It's important to be with someone that knows the way when you don't know the way. Sometimes you might think you know the way, but you don't always know the way. It's this time of year here in Canada, when in B.C., when it's not raining for uh, 24, days, 24 hours a day for seven months. The sun comes out, that bright orange orb in the sky. And so we get opportunities to go out and, and hike and do all kinds of things. So what invariably happens is that people get lost. They lose their way. Uh, they may... Uh, have to call out search and rescue, uh, different things like that. A couple of weeks ago, I was sitting with, in the, the dentist chair, my least favorite place in the world, uh, and my, de- my dental hygienist was talking, and she said, oh, you will never guess what happened on this weekend. She says, I'm, I'm, it's, it's actually good that I'm here. It's a miracle that I'm here almost, I, I, and I was thinking, I would have been fine if you weren't here, but we won't, nothing personal, but... <laughs> She said, I went on what was supposed to be two hour, a two-hour hike out and a two-hour hike back. So we went, the four of us, we got away a little late. So we headed out into the uh, up somewhere in Golden Ears Park up by Maple Ridge and traveled and walked out for about two hours. And we took our photos and then we were making our way back. But somehow we lost our way. And somehow we got off track and we realized we didn't know where we were. The only thing that we knew to do was to get down to the lake. Because if we got to the lake, we could at least hopefully find our way. And so they had to bushwhack, and they got through all kinds of things. They, they get to the lake shore. It's getting darker. And they had to kind of, with their uh, cell phones, for, bat- for a flashlight, a.k.a. you should be a little bit better equipped when you're hiking. But anyway, um, so they were trying to make their way back along the shoreline. They found someone on a boat who said, oh, you're on the right way, which I thought, why didn't the guy in the boat give them a ride? But they said... Keep, well, keep going, you're on the right track, stumbling over the stones and everything like that until they finally made their way back across to where their parking lot was eight hours after they had begun because they didn't know the way and they didn't have a map and they didn't know anybody that knew the way. They had gotten off track suddenly and they stumbled and fell back and she said she got home, she said, I didn't have a shower, I sat down on the couch just to have a quick breather and I woke up at time to go to work. That's how tired she was. Because sometimes when you lose your way, it's a lot harder. It causes a lot more problems. It can be risking injury and and all kinds of things that you never intended to be. And sometimes in life, things get off track for us personally. They get off track in our home. They get off track in our relationships. And we find ourselves in spaces and places we never thought we'd be in. Sometimes what we started as our little secret becomes an addiction that is now controlling us. Sometimes we have issues in our family, in our marriage, uh, where we're out out of alignment and we're in a place we never thought we would be. Sometimes you get a severe health diagnosis from the doctor and you're like, where is my life headed now? And the direction that you thought you would be in, the place you thought you would be in by now, you don't get to be in it and you've lost your way. You don't know where the next step in your way is sometimes. And you wonder where you're going. And even a nation and a city can lose its way. Even Canada can lose its way. And so we all have things that come against us and cause us to get off track, to lose our way, to stop moving forward in our way. And we feel like we're not sure how to get back to the trail, to get through the jam that's in front of us and get around it and get into the spot and the place that God intends for your life to move you forward into his way for your life. And in John chapter 14, Jesus talks about this And he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. No, we don't know, Lord Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Now, this passage starts in a moment. It seems like well, do not let your heart be troubled. With all the context, you don't fully understand what Jesus was talking about. And they had just spent many, many, um, much time After giving three years of their life, they'd seen miracles. They'd seen Jesus uh, heal blind people. They'd seen Jesus raise uh, people from the dead. They'd seen miracles of food being multiplied. Uh, Their lives were erratically changed and transformed. They went from being fishermen and tax collectors and and, uh, different uh, professions to being people in the inner circle of Jesus. And in the midst of all that, Jesus began to talk to them earlier in a few chapters. And they were... They were, he started telling them things like this, that uh, I'm going to be going away. I'm going to die. What? One of you is a traitor. Can you imagine that? There's 12 of you. Start taking the litmus test and the, the lie test and see who it is. Peter, you're going to disown me. Three times, not just once. Satan's at work against all of you. All of you disciples are going to fall away from me. And I'm... Leaving, and the cumulative weight of all those incredible—we've had three years. It's been amazing, and I'm gonna die. You're gonna all disown me, and uh, yeah, this is kind of what's happening. And so, in those moments, Jesus says this word to them. He wants to comfort them and give them several exhortations. Do not let your heart be troubled. Everything is crazier than you thought it was. It's not going the direction you thought it should go, maybe, but don't let your heart be troubled. And that word. Trouble means to be agitated on the inside, to be stirred up the way like when water gets stirred up uh, in the bottom and clouds everything, stirred up, inner, inner emotional agitation on the inside. And life has trouble in it, but Jesus was saying, don't let the trouble get in your heart. Don't get the, the trouble. let the trouble get in your inside of you trouble can be all around you. Don't let it begin to agitate you, bring inner turmoil into your life. Don't let your hearts be trouble. Don't let it get into your heart. Someone has said, don't let success get to your head, and don't let failure get to your heart or disappointment, because when you do, it affects everything. The Bible talks about it, that our heart is the center of our personality. Out of the the heart, the inner you, not your physical heart, the inner you is where everything that you do and say and think begins to come from that place in side of you. We are responsible for the condition of our heart. Don't give up the condition of your heart to somebody else. Don't let somebody else determine the direction of your destiny. Don't let somebody else that's hurt you determine how far you go. Don't let somebody else who's betrayed you determine if you will go. Just begin to take ownership of your heart don't get, do not let your heart be troubled, Jesus said. Because sometimes those things happen and they, the difficulties come and we hear words and, and things that might happen and should happen and could happen and negative things. And it knocks us off course and we start to lose heart. And when you lose your heart, you begin to lose your way. And Jesus begins to challenge them and encourage them those of us that might feel we have lost our way that are going through difficult situations that are being challenged in ways that you never hoped that would happen to you and he says hey do not let your heart be troubled don't let it happen don't let your heart Be troubled. You're going to go through a bunch of things right now. You're, but I've, I've already told you about them. You're going to step into some situations that are difficult, that are painful, that seem like are going to overwhelm you. But you must not let your heart be troubled. You must not let what's going on around you get inside of you, that begins to poison your perspective and stops you from moving forward in what I've called you into in the future. Do not let your heart be troubled. Somebody said, don't let it. A little stronger. Do not let it. it. That's right. Do not let your heart be troubled. Proverbs 4 and 23 says this, above all else, above everything else that you do, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from it. Your response is your responsibility. Every one of us will have in this room have things that are unfair, unjust, happening to you, maybe happening to you right now. And how you respond to them is more important than what is happening to you right now. Because bad things happen to good people, injustice happens. But how you respond, Jesus says, do not let your heart be agitated, overcome, stirred up, anxious, frustrated, irritated, do not let your heart be troubled. Above all else, guard your heart. Guard your heart from bitterness. Guard your heart from negativity. Guard your heart from judgment and unforgiveness. It will not end well. You know you're in trouble when you've started to justify what you, did, what you once determined you would never do. When you begin to justify what you once determined you would never do, you know your heart is having an issue. Proverbs 23 and 7 says, As a man thinks or a woman thinks in their heart, so is he. Your meditation will become your habitation. In other words, what you think is what you will live. Eventually, what you think about and ruminate about on the inside becomes the very thing that you step into on the outside. The Bible says, guard your heart. It says, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. So what's going on around you, don't let it get inside of you where it begins to poison your perspective and stop you from moving forward in the way that God has for you. So Jesus is setting this all up, His moment where we're getting to about, don't let things get into your heart that we're not from God. Proverbs 17 and 22, because here it is, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bone. If you want to help the health of your soul and of your body, begin to bring your heart into alignment, begin to choose joy as difficult as it is. And I've been in those moments where it's a choice. I've been in those moments where I felt betrayed. I've been in those moments where uh, discouragement overwhelms. I've been in those moments where you feel like you have to uh, look up to bottom to, to find your way out. Like it's not easy. And in those moments... Begin to choose joy. Begin to let go of the past. Throw off the lens of negativity. When something difficult comes your way, take your pain. Take your emotion. Take the disappointment. Take the issue, the stuff, and begin, and the Bible talks about it, cast all your cares on Jesus because He cares for you. Don't carry in your heart what's meant to be in Jesus' hands because when you carry what's meant to be in Jesus' hand in your heart, it begins to weigh down your heart, and you begin to lose your perspective. You begin to not only lose your perspective, you begin to lose your way because what you look at is where your life will go. What Where your eye is on is where you will will step into. And so it's so important, like Jesus said, do not let your heart be troubled. Don't let disappointment, don't let frustration, don't let irritation, don't let rejection, don't let people who should have seen you see you. Don't let that get into your heart. Don't let it. Refuse to be offended. Let it go. Refuse to be negative, speak life, refuse to carry bitterness, forgive. Refuse to let the victimization continue by continuing to replay it in your mind. Refuse to gossip about what you think should have happened and why it should have happened. Refuse and fight off anxiety at the gate of your heart. Use the weapons of worship and the song to lift your heart and to begin to fight off fear. Don't let your heart be troubled. Do whatever it takes to not let your heart be troubled because as a man thinks, as a person thinks in their heart, so are they. And do whatever it takes Pray. Worship. Go to your doctor. Yes. Go to your doctor. You might have some levels that are off in your physical body that need to be adjusted. Go to your doctor. Go to your counselor. Unburden your heart. Begin to get rid of some stuff that you've been packing around. Let it go because your heart when it's off, everything that you do, everything that you're trying to move forward in, everything you're trying to step into will be frustrated and blocked. And God sometimes will block you because he wants to deal with what's in your heart because if you take that into the next season, you'll be destroyed. So how does Jesus encourage them? And you and me Anyone to keep your heart free of trouble, agitation, frustration, and irritation. One commentator put it this way, By firm trust in God, that He alone can relieve your soul sorrow and be sustained in the coming test. He was telling them ahead of time, Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not let your heart be troubled. Before any of it happened, he warned them because the tendency of all of us is to look at what's happening and let it lead us instead of us leading it. Because greater is he that's in you than anything that's in the world. The level of trust is dependent upon the person you're trusting. When I first began to drive, uh, this was in the days when you went in and took your test, and 30 days later, you took another test, a driving test, and got your full license. And I remember driving with one of my brothers. his his blue. I think it was a Cortina. And I am a little bit of a distracted person. And I would drive, and I still do this. And my, it drives my wife crazy. It helps her prayer life, though, so it's good. So I'd be driving, and I'd be looking at something that's going on over there. Squirrel. Oh, something's going on over there. And my brother said, can you just keep it between the lines? And I don't mean the white one on each side of the road. I mean the yellow one and the white one. Keep it in between there. I've learned that. I keep it in between those ones, basically. Yeah, most of the time. If you're following me on a mountain road, you will have a good time. I may trust a brand new 16-year-old driver to drive me some situations, but I'll be praying. But when my dad, who's 75 years old and just retired on Friday from his uh, 55 years of driving logging trucks, he told me he's looking for a part-time job of 40 hours a week. So I trust him when he drives. I can go to sleep. No problem at all, because I know he knows what he's doing. So when Jesus was saying, trust me, it will keep your heart settled and still, and then he takes it up a notch and says, why he's trustworthy. He says, basically, there's more than enough room in my Father's house. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And Thomas said, and he said, you know where I'm going. Thomas says, I don't know where you're going. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I know the way. And what he was referring to, to the Father, to heaven. He says, I know the way how to get there so that when all this is finished, There will be no more death. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more pain. There will be no more sickness. There will be no more disease. There will be a day when you step into a new reality out of this life, into the life that comes, and everything will all make sense in that moment. I know the way. In fact, not only do I know the way, I am the way. And Thomas like, we have no idea. See, Jesus does not simply teach the way. He doesn't point the way. He is the way. That's the foundational difference of Christianity. It's not about learning some things to know. It's not about knowing how to do things. It's about knowing and having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. See, a, Christian, a Christ follower believes that Jesus died was buried and rose again and lives still through the power of the Holy Spirit inside of those who give their lives to him. And everything is different because of that moment. It's not about a bunch of rules and regulations. It's about God made flesh and coming and reconciling us to the Father and showing us the way and leading the way in himself to the Father. But Thomas' response, Thomas response is a common one. We don't know the way. We don't, have, we don't know the way. Others in our culture might say, Every way is the way. Still others in our culture say, Not there is no way you can really know the way. So who knows? Still others would say that there's no heaven anyway. So the way is unimportant. In fact, it's kind of silly. And Jesus' claim of exclusivity, let's make no mistake, that's what he was doing. He said, I am the way to the destination. I am the truth along the way to the destination. I am the life along the way to the destination. I am the way. It's a very exclusive claim. Above all else, I am the way. There's a cold case detective who specializes and specialized in cold cases. His name was J. Warner Wallace. And he became a Christ at the age of 35 because he applied the same techniques that he did to cold cases and investigated, did Jesus exist? Uh, The death, burial, and resurrection. And after his own investigation on it, he said, I'm going to give my life to Jesus because the evidence is overwhelming. And he went on and he talks about this exclusivity where some people find this claim of exclusivity that Jesus is the only way to be outrageous and arrogant. Why would anyone accept such a claim? Because Jesus says this, I'm the only way to heaven because God is the only way to God. See, that's the fundamental difference about Christianity. We don't believe that there's anybody who can help us get to God except God himself. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God came to man, not man to God. God came to man and said, I know you can't make it. I know you can't make a way. I know you can't find your way. So I'm coming to you. I'm dying in your place. I'm giving my life so that you can step into what was not possible for you and is not possible for you because you have to be perfect. And there's no way to be perfect except that someone pays the price for your sin and I'm doing it. I'm making a way. That's what God did. You'll need to know me personally if you want invitation and access. Jesus claimed to be God. The New Testament report repeatedly describes Jesus as God. But a 2017 uh, poll found that almost three in ten practicing Christians, not those that name themselves as practicing Christians, strongly believe that all people pray to the same God or spirit, no matter what name they use for that spiritual being. Let's talk about that. Let's think about that for a moment. When Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, That's an exclusive claim, yet three in ten people that follow him would say in North America that he's one of the ways. How many routes do Christ followers believe us to take to the Father in heaven? Peter preached this in Acts chapter 4. He said, salvation is found in no one else but Jesus, for there is no other name but Jesus under heaven whereby men and women can be saved. That was the claim of the early church. It was the claim of Jesus. They repeated again, and there is no widespread, or there is a widespread view today that 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 exclusivity is arrogant and intolerant. To make religious, uh, exclusive religious claims to truth, because the implication is anyone who disagrees with you is wrong. It's fair. Religious inclusivists, though, that means those are people who believe that any way is the right way. It doesn't matter. Those people who think that all religions lead to God will often accuse Christians or Christ followers of arrogance without realizing that on their own criteria, they too perhaps are guilty of the same arrogance. What do you mean, Craig? See, everyone is exclusivistic. Everyone is. Everyone thinks their own religious view is correct or true. Otherwise, why are they a part of it? Now, honestly, you don't think that what you believe is true, whatever it is, you do. But you say, no. Craig, I hold a much more tolerant and inclusive view. I think all religions are true or lead to God. But notice what follows from that. It follows that anyone who disagrees with that view is wrong. The implication that anyone who disagrees that always go to God is wrong. So you think that always lead, but if I say one way leads, then I'm wrong. But I thought you said always lead. Hmm. Only inclusivists can see the real truth of religion. But what about the atheist or the agnostic? The atheist says there is no God. There, there is no God, and they believe that that is true, and anyone who disagrees with them is wrong. Again, an exclusive claim. They think all religions are wrong. they agnostic. I have found that people who use this label do it in this way. They, they think that no one knows the truth about God, and no one can know the truth about God. Because it's impossible. The hard agnostic is claiming to know that no one can know the truth about God. In other words, those who think they know God are wrong. And so in every space, in every place, the person who thinks that every path leads to God they are an exclusivist because that marginalizes people who believe it one way lead to God. The person who thinks they're one way to God, they discount a whole other one. The person who says there's no God, that's an exclusive view. The person who thinks you can't really know, that's also an exclusive view. And it's not, it's only to point out that every one of us, whatever religious viewpoint or no religious viewpoint that you hold, it's exclusive. The Christian is not being narrow-minded, but acting rationally with what they think and have experienced is true. Religious inclusiveness who think any way is the way, they also are just acting on what they know, that all views are right. Atheists are merely acting on what they know, and they think that their view is right. And everyone is exclusive, but that doesn't mean that you're arrogant. Arrogance is an attitude. That's the issue. See, 1 Peter, Peter talked to us about this. He says, The reasons, when you tell people about the reasons for the hope that lies within you, do it with gentleness, do it with respect, and with a clear conscience. And so as Christ followers, if you believe, if you're a Christ follower and you're in the seven out of ten and hopefully you will move from, if you're in the three camp, you'll move to the the rest of uh, where Jesus is, uh, that you will do it with gentleness, respect, and a clear conscience. See, sometimes what happens is, And the church has been guilty of this generally. Of say, well, Jesus is the only way. And therefore, if you're not, you're a bad person. I hate you. You're not worthy of my time or my respect. We've sometimes come across that way. It's not not Jesus' way. It's good advice for anyone to be like Peter, to respect gentleness for the reasons for your hope. Just tell your story. You don't have to tell them all the things that you think are wrong about why they are. Begin to speak forward because culture feeds us the lie that we cannot disagree and still be friends. Culture feeds us the lie that we, we have to absolutely agree in order to have relationship. But we can still walk hand in hand when we don't see eye to eye. We want everyone to be right, but it's, not, it's simply not intellectually honest to say that all religions or pathways are right. Certainly there are shared truths, and cer- there's certainly there are some similarities between different religions. But when you get to the core of them, they all contradict each other. So one of them, something has to be true. Because Christianity, Jesus says, I am the way. In his own words, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life." So you have to decide, is he? Or is any path Okay. Is there no path? Can you really know? Jesus said, I know the way. I am the way. In his own words. He said, it's not good works that are going to make a way. It's not how much you give that's going to make a way. It's only through me. C.S. Lewis wrote a lot of books. The Lion, the Witch, and the Road Robe. The Chronicles of Narnia. Different ones like that. Screwtape tape Letters. He said this, a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. Because some people wanted to say, hey, Jesus was a great moral teacher, had a lot of great things. But if someone said what Jesus said, he would either be a lunatic on level with a man who says he is a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or he's a madman or something worse. And if he knew he was false... If he knew he was false, he was lying. But what was his motive? Again, in crime, there's typically three motives, money, sex, or power. Was it money? Jesus is the one who encouraged his followers to give it all away, to give to the poor, to serve and give and not have your first place. Was it sex? He was a celibate preacher. Is it, is it power? When people tried to put him in charge, he was the one who said no and walked the other way. So he was, not, he, he was not lying. If he didn't know it was false and he was deceived at best or a lunatic at worst, maybe it was that. However, when you look at the logic, the compassion, the compelling wisdom, the deep understanding of humanity that was reflected in his teaching, it's simply not plausible that he was a lunatic. So, you have to say he did not make this claim, but he did. He said, He's the one who said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He did make this claim. So, you have to decide which one you're okay with. And the truth that we would believe, if you're a Christ follower, is that Jesus is the way, He is the truth. So, the only question is, will you follow Him or will you not? Because if He is the way, He is the way for your life, every area of your life. See, life is filled with hard choices. Being God, was consistent with Jesus' message, his purpose, his behavior, his predictions, and his resurrection. C.S. Lewis continued it this way. He said, you can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. In his own words, he said, I am the way. I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Life is filled with hard choices. It seems... It may seem to get you out of a lot of hard work, but the idea of the equivalence of religion is simply not true. Every religion, even those appearing more inclusive, make its own unique claims. But Jesus' claims are particularly unnerving because if they are true, there is no alternative but to bow the knee before him or not. John 3.16, Jesus said, Whoever believes in him will have eternal life, for God sent his Son to save the world through him. 1 Peter 3 and 9 says that, He is not willing that any should perish and he is giving more time for sinners to repent. Romans 5, 8 said that God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He is the only Lord that can lead. He is the only Lord that can save. He is the only truth that can lead into all truth. Now, there may be other truths. There may be other stories. There may be other people. But Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. If you want to know the way for your life, find he who is life. If you want to know the truth for your life, find the man of God who is truth, Jesus. If you want to know the the life that you look for, it's not found in any teaching, it's not found in any uh, perspective, it's found in the person of Jesus Christ. And no matter what our culture says, no matter what the people around you say, and it's not to, and again, with gentleness and with respect, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He did not put people down. In fact, the people who were most attracted to him were the people who seemed to be rejected by everybody else. The tax collectors, the publicans, the sinners, the people who were outside of church, they were the ones who said, not only do you say it, but you show a way. Not only have you done it, uh, no, not all you talk about it, you have helped to change." my life. I am different today because of God working in my life. Jesus, who is alive and present, is transforming me today. And so the biggest testimony of the power of Jesus' claim is not in what he said, it's what he did. And see, just in a generation after him every follower of him that followed uh, every one of his disciples except for one died a martyr's death they would not die for a lie if it was a lie they would have given it up and that same truth was spoken and in 300 years it was covering the whole entire roman world and generation after generation year after year some things have been done terribly in the name of the church but the gospel of jesus in its pure form is been a transforming effect in the world. It's been in the name of Jesus that hospitals have been built. It's in the name of Jesus that orphans have been looked after. It's in the name of Jesus that widows have been cared for. It's the power of the name of Jesus that has restored families. It's the power of the name of Jesus that has taken people out of brokenness and built them and put them on a new path for life. It's the power of the presence of Jesus that changes cities. It's the power of the name of Jesus that changes our nation. And On this Canada Day, no matter how far off she is, no matter how far we seem to have wandered from what God would have us to be, no matter what, that the best days are in front of us, that God is moving in His church in from sea to sea, from the great river to the ends of the earth, that God will move in our nation, that He will have His way, that the power of the name of Jesus still transforms, that the power of the name of Jesus still heals, that the power of the name of Jesus sets a nation on the path that it should be be in, that the power of the name of Jesus begins to transform again, that the power of the name of Jesus sets a nation on a pathway for righteousness, for seeing God's kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that the power of the name of Jesus says to the outsider, you can become an insider, that the power of the name of Jesus says to the the one who's struggling with their identity, there's a place for you at the table, that the power of the name of Jesus, come on, says that the kingdom of God is forcefully advanced in the world, that what Jesus prophesied over our nation, that he will have dominion from sea to sea and from the great river to the ends of the earth, is not just a pipe dream, but that the church of Jesus would arise with life, with force, with the power of heaven flowing through it, that what was said would not happen in this nation will happen, that from one side of the nation to the other, that in every town and hamlet, that the kingdom of God is moving, God is not done, it's not over, I'm not withdrawn. I'm not pulling back. The kingdom of God, the church of Jesus, is moving because we have a truth bearer. We have a way maker. We have Jesus in his own words saying, I will be the life that you need in your home, in your life, in your city, in your nation, in the world. I, Jesus, am having my way. Only Jesus And sometimes the church has lost its way, sometimes it's lost its truth, and sometimes it loses its life. And when it does, it becomes a church that's a church in name only, that's a church that becomes a club, that's a church that becomes about itself. But when Jesus leads the church, the church lives differently. We don't live with pride and arrogance, we live with a humility and say, God, would you work in us? Would you do something in us that transforms the city? Why not Canada? Why not your son? Why not your daughter? Why not your family member? Why not your neighbor? Why not your workplace? Jesus is the way. Jesus is still the truth. Jesus is still the life. And I can say that and love my Sikh friend at the same time. I can say that and wrap my arms around the ones who seem so far from God. I can say that and say it because I know this, that he's not looking to push people away. He's saying, come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. You make known to me the path of life, Psalm 16 says. When I don't know where to go, I'll hear a voice behind me saying, this is the way, walk in. it." When I don't know how to find my way, he is right beside me. He's not words on a page, he's a God who's walking with me. When I don't know the way out of the pain, the hurt, the discouragement, he does. When I can't break through the obstacles that stand in the way, he can. When I don't know how to change a nation, he does. He loves the nation of Canada. He is the truth. He brings truth into my life, truth about who I am. And most of us are living in a shadow of what God's called us to be because we are listening to a lie about who we are. I may feel that it's too hard to change. I'll never shake off those old ways if you knew my past. But the truth is... If anyone be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. You can have a reset in your life. I might feel inadequate and unable. I might feel that there's no way I can overcome my past, that there's no way I, my mistakes can, can be de- dealt with, that my sin, the abuse that's been done to me, the betrayal that's happening. But the truth is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Whatever Jesus said I can do, I can do. Wherever he said I can go, I can go. Whatever he said, I will Where I will will do I can do I might feel ashamed on the outside looking in but the truth is Jesus said there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ he's not looking to reject me he's looking to release me he's not leaving me down he's lifting me up not only is Jesus the way not only is the truth he is life he is the source of our life he is the hope of our life and he has come that you might have life we need the gospel more than anything in our nation, in our homes, in our life, Jesus, you're my way. That means you're in charge. You're the truth in my situation right now. I need to get honest about some areas that I've been lying to myself about. I need to get honest that I desperately need your truth in my life. I need to get honest that I need your life, that I've been trying to do it by myself. I need your truth, I need your way, I need your life. Just stand to your feet real quick and we're going to be done. Sooner, always believe to respond to the word of God. Just bow your head and close your eyes just to give privacy to the people around you. There's nothing uh, super uh, spooky about it or anything like that. But perhaps as we spoke this morning, you said you might say, I didn't know the way of Jesus, or if I did, I've rejected it. But today I want to follow Jesus. I want to give him the leadership of my life. If that's you, just raise your hand real quick, and we're going to pray for you. We're not going to call you down or anything. I'm just going to pray for you. my left, your are right. You say, I want to make Jesus the forgiver and leader of my life. If that's you, just throw your hand up. Yeah. Thank you. to pray for that person in a moment. Now, if you're in need of a reset, I've been off track. I've let things get into my heart that have knocked me off God's way for me. If that's you, just throw your hand up real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Finally, if you're praying for someone that needs to know the way, truth, and life, just throw your hands up. If you're a follower of Jesus, there should be somebody in your life that you're begging God, Lord, transform them, take them further, do a miracle in their life. So we're going to pray right now. First of all, if you may pray to make Jesus a forgiver and leader of your life, it's as simple as this. Lord Jesus, pray in your own heart after me. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive my sin. I repent. It means I, I don't want to go my way anymore. I want to go your way. Be the forgiver and leader of my life. Come and lead my life in Jesus' name. If you prayed that, then you've passed from death to life, the Bible says. Secondly, if you need a reset and you're saying, God, I want to get back on track, I've let things into my heart that have knocked me off of your way for me, just take a moment right now and release that to the Lord. That thing that I've allowed in my heart, I release it to you right now in Jesus' name. That fear, that anxiety, that hatred, I forgive it. The pain, I release it the discouragement. I ask for your help, whatever it is. I need it. I need you, Jesus. I release it to you. Come, Holy Spirit. So come, Holy Spirit, in every place. Thank you for every person that put their hand up and said, I need a reset, that you're doing the work right now on the inside, Holy Spirit. It's not our power. It's you who work in us, to will and to do according to your good pleasure. And Father, for our family members and our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers, Lord, Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would do... A great work within the hearts of those, Lord, that we know that we're praying for. Lord, you'd show us how to, with gentleness and respect, show them by the way we live our life and the testimony of our life that you are the way, that you are the truth, that you are the life. Give us courage in the middle of it all. And give us, Lord, the words and the heart to love and to serve our friends and our family that they too may know you as the forgiver and leader of their life. In Jesus' name, amen.